Hello there, you're very welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. Loads to talk about today. Celtics 2-0 win over AZ Alkmaar will be our main focus, the Europa League playoff last night. That and a couple of movements in the transfer window as well. Alan Morrison, Celtic by Numbers, is on the line with me as always. Alan, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Cinder. And Jiko James as well. James, how are you? Good. And should, Alan, you should disclose you're at your country estate. Mm. Yeah, it's, Morrison it's, uh, country estate. That's why your background's <laughs> different. Yeah, it's the weekend retreat this time. <laughs> it's, it's looking nice. It's kind of like Buckingham Palace or something like that. We're in the background in the real Britannia ships on, on, on top of it. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> so uh, Celtic 2, AZ Alkmaar nil. I don't think any of us expected this to happen. Celtic pretty much dominant for large parts of the game last night. Kyogo with the first and James Forrest with the second, courtesy of a, a very heavy deflection. It went down as an OG in the end, but James Forrest with the shot that ended up being Celtic's second goal. Celtic beating the third best team in the Eredivisie last season, and it's all looking rosy once again at Celtic Park. I should say that we are the Huddle Breakdown. We're streaming on YouTube right now, so if you're watching on YouTube, leave us a comment below. Let us know what you thought of the game last night. And we're streaming for the first time on Twitch as well. You can find us on Twitch, Official Breakdown Official Breakdown Inc. is the name of the Twitch channel. As you have noticed, the YouTube channel has changed as well. You can follow Breakdown Inc. on Twitter as well. That's where the home of all these podcasts are going to be over the next couple of weeks. So make sure you give those two accounts a follow. I could tell by Alan's face there, he's a big gamer. He's a live streamer when he's playing Fortnite. I could tell. I recognize you said the word Twitch, but I'm still processing it in my mind as to what (laughs) what I could possibly mean. If you're like Alan and you don't know what Twitch is, Twitch is an alternative way to watch it. You can you know, just search Twitch on, on uh, Google and it'll come up and will pop up in your screens as well. So anyway, more 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 important things to talk about. Celtic 2-0 against AZ Alkmaar, an exciting game and a phenomenal result really when you think about where Celtic were six weeks ago. So I guess we'll start with general thoughts in the game. James, do you want to go first here? What did you make of the, the win in Celtic Park last night? Great entertainment product. I think that was the, uh, you know, it's just been terrific the last couple of weeks. Um, watching entertaining uh, football. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's it's so enjoyable. Um, obviously, with the results having been in our favor, you know, we'll, we'll see when we stress test that when they might dip a little bit at some point, theoretically. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it was just a really exciting interesting game not only uh live is just kind of a a fan enjoying it um but then when i woke up this morning to do my analysis it was a really interesting game to analyze too so um you know kind of 360 all around i just thought it was a really enjoyable uh game and the the, the result obviously i mean that's being a european knockout that's all that really matters ultimately um what we'll talk about today probably a little bit more is what the performance yesterday might maybe indicate as we head into next week. Uh, Cause I think the, the performance was a lot less definitive than the result would indicate. Um, so we'll talk about that, but yeah, I mean, I just t- tremendous excitement seeing the guys flying around and the energy levels and um, the intensity, you know, ha- having Edward doing a uh, thrusting header, putting his body at risk late in the game, you know, that, I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that was symptomatic of, really the effort that was put put forth, I think, holistically. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was great. Alan, I listened to you and James in my absence last week, and I guess the general feeling around 
Celtic at the minute were, yeah, it's great beating Dundee 6-0 and it's great getting that result against Hearts, but, you know, bigger opposition, tougher opposition, better opposition, it's going to be very interesting to see how Irons sends up. He went brave. He went with Cal McGregor as a number six again last night. Um, brave won the game essentially here. Yeah, I mean, brave as well to put Eduard back on the bench and bring Abada, a 19-year-old kid, back in. So that was surprised me, I'll be honest, but that was brave. Um, listen, you know, we, I know we say sometimes warning about the, the standard of the opposition when you win 6-0, but listen, last, last season we didn't get games like that. And when you're, you're racking up 5, 4-5, averaging 3xG a game, you know, I'm sorry, but there's some, something seriously going on there underlying those numbers, right? And and the question was more, could they translate that against what what, what is a very good side? And I know they've, they've probably lost a few players, but you could see technically, you could see in terms of their shape, their approach to the game. This was a very well-organized team with a very firm idea about how they wanted to play. As James said, absolutely fascinating match, as, aside from the, the great, with great entertainment um, again, and, and, and that is the theme of the season, hopefully, is, is gonna, this is just massively entertaining. Um, on, one, on the one hand, it looked like they were going to be um, very similar in the way that they approached the game to Celtic in terms of under Postacoglu, in terms of 4-3-3, in terms of pressing whenever they could, and in terms of you know very, very aggressive attacking intent. But I think there was a, the, the subtle difference between the teams was that I think AZ wanted to get the ball forward as quickly as they could. They wanted to break lines as quickly as they could. And if they lost possession, it was a bit like, they're a bit like an upmarket Cluj in that respect. I mean, Cluj just wanted to get the ball forward and then, you know, win, win 50-50s and, and, and breaks of the ball. AZ are far more sophisticated than that, far better players. But in, in principle, they wanted to get the ball forward really, really quickly. Whereas Celtic under Postacoglu will tend to be, will tend to want to get the ball forward, but they, they tend to want to control the game. And I, f- I felt happy in the moments when Celtic were controlling the game. Um, so between probably after scoring uh, all the way through to probably five minutes before halftime, I felt Celtic had excellent control of the match and control of the ball. Uh, and then that five minutes before halftime when, when AZ won a series of corners. And then the next... And that's when to... Uh, Um, um, was that uh, you know from the from round about the sixty seventh minute? I don't think they had another shot at goal, uh, and 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 we and the, we saw a different side of Postecoglou where he brought on McCarthy and Montgomery, took off Rogic, Kyogo, um, and we saw we saw a more we we dropped back to a sort of medium block, and, and although we let them have a lot of the ball, we actually controlled the game, and although there was a few moments when the ball was skitting about the box, but nothing, no shots really. And then Celtic could have could have had a third near the end, and so that that those two periods really gave me encouragement that that that, that we that we've got the flexibility to have that helter skelter attacking play. And let's be honest, Celtic's goals for them were absolute killer because they had great big chances, and then Celtic scored, and that happened twice. And mm. that's a real kick in the teeth for any team. Um, but but what I liked was the flexibility that Postecoglou started to introduce, and the, and the and the way that we managed to get control for periods. Again, it's such a work in progress. There's so many 
uh, things to, that need improving on, and how we kept a clean sheet when two of our defenders had absolute nightmares is quite incredible. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot to unpack there, and I mean, it was a gr- great win, and it's fantastic to win two 0 It certainly wasn't a complete whitewash. You know, AZ had chances, especially in the first ten minutes. Joe Hart pulled off a save, which I don't know to this day. We'll ever figure out how he managed to get his foot on that shot to to keep it out, and if that goes in, it's a completely different game. So that I mean, there these are the moments that went against Celtic last year that are suddenly you know just about starting to go our way. But and as I see the comments coming in, the main man that people wanted to talk about here, Anthony Ralston. I mean. Celtic, I did a video on the channel. You can check it out with Boys Analytics about Josep Juranovic, who's coming in from Legia Warsaw. He's coming in at right back. Initially, I was recording that as if he was coming in to start. I, I'm not so sure he comes in now and pushes Tony Ralston out of that position because he was phenomenal last night, James. He was. He was He was excellent. Um, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer as usual, though. Oh, here we uh, go. Here we go. Well, I... I, I feel like no, I have some I, I have some credibility on this because I think I was one of the lone people on the desert island that was um, not horribly negative about Anthony Ralston in the last uh, year plus, including when he got the, the the year contract extension. So the the pendulum has swung fully from people thinking he should be thrown over the ship to now, <laughs> uh, to now he should be the captain of the ship. Yeah. And I think the truth, as often is the case, lies somewhere in the middle. Um, I think there was two extenuating circumstances yesterday that helped his performance. One is they're playing a midfielder at left back, Usting. Uh, and he's a young guy, so he doesn't have a lot of experience playing left back. And their their starting uh, left winger was out because of a red card that he got in the last Europa League game last December for, for them. Uh, and he's one of their best players. Carlson. I think he's a Swedish international. So they they kind of swapped. If you look at the the game progression, they kind of flipped Alucar, Alucar, I don't again, me with names. Uh number 17 and and Goodmanson, I think, is the other guy that they kind of flipped back and forth between right and left. And Good Goodmanson was not good. I mean, he he had a pretty poor game. Um so I, I think some of that, I mean, Ralston obviously contributed to that um, in, in creating some some pressure, but uh, they, they followed the path that a lot of teams have been following, which is they were targeting our left, our defensive left. Um, so if you look at kind of the standard balls received, um, duels, passes made, I mean, we were left heavy again um, in attack as well. So a lot of the game went down the left, our left, and uh, that left a lot of space and Ralston used it terrifically. And, you know, he made that great run in the cross at the end. So he, he played really, really well. I'm not, you know, uh, taking that away from him. I think it's a question of, you know, circumstances. Um, I want to see him hopefully play next Thursday and, and do really well. And I think the test that Ibrooks <laughs> a few days later would be, would be uh, a, a big one too. Um so as usual, I want to see more evidence. Uh, he deserves huge credit. I think he's come on. He's certainly developing and getting better within the system. I think the other thing, I'm probably going to share it when I retweet my thread from this morning later. Um, and I'm sure Alan saw this live, whereas I had to look at the, the action maps afterwards. Um, he did invert a little bit in the game. Um, Taylor did not. 
Taylor did not invert at all. So I think that was another adjustment that uh, Ange made, but it also speaks to how left dominant the game was. I mean, that our, our defensive left. Um, mm. so, so Taylor, for the most part, was pinned wide and he, Ralston was coming towards the ball into that midfield space. Um, so and we saw that with a bot or two early. I mean, there was just a lot of space on the right. Um, so whether it was through design, some combination of design and also who they had playing on that side, um, I think the circumstances benefited him. And he certainly, like I said, he deserves all the credit in the world for taking advantage of it and performing really well. Um, I just continue to be concerned about, as I've said, you know, how's it scale? And, and we'll see when Clarlson plays next week, probably assuming he's fit. Uh, I don't know why he wouldn't be. Um, and being away and, and, and how that looks. Um, so very helpful. I just, you know, I, I, I always get nervous when people go berserk. And yeah. I think, you know, that's always going to happen with Celtic fans. Uh, of course. And, yeah. and that's part, part of what, you know, analytics is all about is trying to cut out some of the extreme emotional swings. And um, so, like I said, I, I was extremely positive on Ralston. I, mean, I did a whole write up on him and how his age 21, you know, a lot of people just really trashed him in his season at St. Johnston. And I looked at the data. And again, I don't pretend to watch him at St. Johnston. Uh, and he didn't play against Celtic for for the obvious reason. So when I looked at his data, it was like his age 21 season looked as good, if not better, than than Taylor's at Kilmarnock under Steve Clark. Mm. So um, that's why I wasn't horribly negative. And, it, and his profile was one of where he was deficient, was more technical, not athletic, meaning that he's, he's he's got some pace. He's got some size. He's a strong guy. He plays hard. And I thought that that might translate better once he gets ma managed by Ange. And that so far is the case. It looks like anyway, and his technical part of it's kind of picking up a little bit. So I'm, I, you know, I, I, I'm the, the other part of this last thing I'll say is we're probably going to play 60 games. And even Ange said that after the game. I mean, it, it, who's the starter technically in some of these positions is not irrelevant, but, you know, whether it's a 60-40 split one way or the other, these guys are going to have to timeshare because of how demanding these positions are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, otherwise you're going to have hamstrings blown out right and left or guys doing their ACLs. I mean, so the the the... the you know, the risks of injury are going to go up as time goes on here. And mm. the way he's been playing, I mean, he's been going balls to the wall for what a month now. Um, and so. he hadn't, he hadn't built up a lot of games before this as well. So you have to take that into account as well. I, I, this is not a, a saying, I, I think I'm making this up, but the general point, I think there is a real saying that I can't actually remember here, but I guess uh, one good dinner doesn't make a chef is essentially the idea that I'm trying to get across here. Tony Ralston, I know I've been calling him Cafu on my Twitter account, but I mean, that's just tongue in cheek in a little bit. But I think it's brilliant to see him play, playing well. Can he sustain this across 40 games this season? Time will tell. Time will only tell because we haven't seen that with Ralston in his career so far. So let's hope he does. Let's hope he does maintain this. Alan, do you want to have a word on Ralston or do you want to move across the defence? No, I'll, I will because I did actually. Uh, you know, since I've started this whole Celtic by numbers thing, that that responding to that kind of emotional extremism that you get about players, it was very much what I spent a lot of my time having. I feel not having to do it's it's fun because you know the, the data gives you a lot more context to the performances, and it's it's interesting to bring those out. So I naturally wanted to look at Ralston and really 
you know, we had a fullback last last year, uh, you know, Kenny, who was much much derided and everybody hated. And uh, but you know, nevertheless, was an experienced player, an international Premier League player. And so you know, I compared the two. <laughs> and if I go through the so listen, people are going to switch off now, and everyone's going to hate me even more than <laughs> some of them do already, right? But I'm going to do I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because it's important, and I spend the time, you know, getting the data right. Brass so, balls, Alan. Brass balls. I love it. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, listen. Uh, Rawson scored two goals this season, but that's coming off of 0. 0.07 expected goals per ninety minutes. Kenny was 0. 0.04. Nothing much in that. Rawson hasn't got any assists this season. This is coming, and he averages about 0.18 expected assists per game. Kenny was 0.25. Rawson manages 1.5 key passes per 90 minutes. Uh, Kenny was about 1.25, so just below. Looking at um, defensive performance, so your defensive action success rate and possessions won. Rawson 54% and 62%. Kenny 59% and 69%. That's probably surprised a few people. Um, you know, Kenny, they, they both lose about the same number of challenges per 90 minutes, but Kenny wins nearly one challenge, one more challenge than Rolson. Um, pack passes, so this is progressive passes. Um, this, you know, Rolston has a slight edge, 7.2 to Kenny's 6.4, but again, that could be down to just the, the style and the way that the team are playing. Um, in terms of receiving the ball, receiving forward passes. Um, this is where massive difference. Rolston, I think, is one of the weaker passes of his games, his movement off the ball. And he receives about seven uh, forward passes a game. With Kenny, it was over 13. Um, and finally, in terms of ball carries, you know, Rolston, again, has a few more, 2.7 ball carries per 90 minutes. And Kenny had just uh, two. But, uh, you know, there's really not a lot between those two. And if anything, what the data says is that Kenny was a bit more defensively sound. And everybody hated Kenny. But actually, you know, again, context is everything. You know, if, if we're saying that actually Rolston's performing at the same level as a very experienced Irish international who's, who's, who's an experienced English Premier League player, then actually that's credit to 22, 23-year-old Rolston, I would say. But 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 listen, let's not go overboard. You hated Kenny from, from pretty much the same numbers last season. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 Alan, that is so... Uh brilliant because it really is about narratives and context um so so much of how we perceive these things is because of kind of the the mob mentality and uh, and i don't mean that in a negative way i mean in that there's a, a communal sense of emotion that takes place uh and whether you're winning has a huge impact on how all of this stuff gets interpreted from a you know from an emotional perspective so um that was great. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't think of doing that kind of comparison. And, and to your point, I mean, what did Kenny go for? I mean, something like ten or fifteen million at one point. I think at Everton, right? I mean, so uh, yeah, yeah, so, right, something like that. I mean, it was a big number, whatever it was. It was, it was a heck of a lot of what you know. So for even if Kenny didn't play great during his stretch, uh, or people interpreted that in a in a fairly dysfunctional side. Um, you know, again, I think that's a credit to Ralston that he's up to that kind of standard, even though I think some of the Kenny stuff was, again, was big mistakes, you know, glaring errors that people just feel so much more because of um, the context of the misery that we were all enduring at the time. And I don't think Ralston's had a big mistake yet either. No, sorry. Uh, I mean, Kenny was also playing landing ball. Like that's right. the reality yeah. of it as well. 
Yeah, um, Rawson's error rate is really low, actually, which is right. great. And, and Kenny's was about was actually below my below what I'd call, below my red flag status, but but you know higher than higher than um, higher than Rawson's. Ken, Kenny was has been at Everton for a long time as a kid, actually, and he's never been transferred, but he's been loaned okay. out a lot. Okay. Uh, like I said uh, earlier on, this wasn't exactly a dominant performance. So I, I think there there were a couple of uh, key issues. There was a, a mistake from Starfelt in the first half that almost led to a penalty, probably should have been a penalty. I thought the referee might have got that wrong. Uh, but there was a couple of big decisions as well, or big saves rather, from Mr. Joe Hart, who has uh, gained a lot of uh, already fanfare because he can save a shot because he's, he's keeping the ball out of the net and in moments that we might perceive that Barcast may not have. I'm not going to say he definitely wouldn't have, but he, he may not have. Um, last night, I don't think Barcast is saving that one in the first half. Uh, James, your thoughts on Joe Hart's transition to the club so far? I know you're sceptical about it. We all were sceptical about him. I'm starting to come around to him. I think he's done well. Uh, what, what have you made of him so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, his shot stopping so far has been uh, good, so... You know, I, I didn't lambaste him like some people did uh, when Jablonik scored the two goals, which for the most part, you know, were, were not his fault. Um, you know, he might have maybe been a little bit better on the one, but again, nothing that you would hang a guy over uh, or certainly uh, be critical, I think. Um, yesterday's were both good. I mean, I, I actually posted about that this morning. I mean, if... It, Part of what I did when when um, his signing occurred was look back at all his data back to 2015-16, which was over 15,000 minutes, and this was a this was the third best uh, performance out of that time frame relative to post shot xg. So, um, you know, so th th again, this comes back to um, how we perceive things. So, is he going to perform at that level? consistently over time i actually think that would be unrealistic that would be unfair on him to expect that um because you know it's just not forster didn't perform like that consistently i mean it's just not um it's not realistic um i, I think that the i i think that some of the skepticism remains justified mostly relative to how he's being used meaning that he's definitely not being used the same way that Bain and Barkas were or that Ange's keepers have in the past, uh, at least at Marinos. Um, so again, you can get into whether that's good or bad. That's a totally, you know, fair, fair um, debate. Um, but he did have one really bad clearance yesterday where he came wide right. And, um, you know, again, I think that's ultimately going to be where the risk profile for him is, even assuming that he's, you know, his shot stopping is kind of, quote unquote, old Joe Hart, uh, which is, you know, he's around average or maybe even a little bit better average at shot stopping. Um, I think most of the risk for him is going to be with his feet coming outside of the box. Um, and that, you know, very easily he tried to clear it. It went right off of a um, uh, an AZ player and happened to bounce favorably. <laughs> Whereas again, on another day kind of thing, it very easily could have bounced in the wrong direction and led to a pretty open shot. Um, so that's, you know, always talking about risk and thinking about how these things are going to persist, not over one game or two games or three games, but over, like we said, he's probably going to play 55 to 60 games. Um, so, you know, it was a great performance. I uh, had two huge saves and um, hopefully that continues. And that that's, um, I think that's 
what the hope is, we'll just have to wait and see. Alan, Joe Hart, he has been played an important role. Interesting that, and I, I want you to bring the numbers to the table. I'm just going to say that it was interesting that Ange pulled, or Joe Hart rather pulled Ange aside last night when the the game was in the doldrums, Celtic were under pressure. He's showing leadership. I, I, I'm going to say he's showing leadership. Uh, wh- what have you made of Joe Hart so far and have you any sort of data to back up what, what he's brought to the table? Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, generally positive. Uh, I completely agree with James, sadly, uh, in terms of the the risk around his passing. I mean, I think he's settled a bit. I think in the first game, he looked, he just looked like he was, he didn't know what he, what he was doing in terms of, uh, you know, playing with the ball. But listen, he's, he's 34 years old. He's a big guy. He's bigger than the other goalkeepers. He's six foot five, you know, and, and obviously with his age profile, he just physically isn't going to be as mobile around the pitch as Barkas and Bain are. Uh, who are younger and probably lighter on their feet as individuals, and 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 probably it seems more natural to them. Um, I think he's done okay. Uh, it doesn't, you know, when Starfelt and him and Welsh are knocking the ball between themselves. It doesn't look comfortable. It really doesn't. <laughs> um, and he and and he and he's really weak on his left side, which is a real blow as well uh, in terms of kicking. And and yeah, some of his some of his clearances where he's rushed a bit turn into these little eight iron lobs. Um, which which fall into the middle of Celtic's half, and that's happened a few times. And Jablonic's first goal was on the back of one of those. So those those are all absolutely extant risks, um, and 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 would still be a concern to me. I mean, I was just looking; he's completed 153 passes, and he's given away you know for 23. So it's pretty decent, to be honest, in terms of just that raw data. This doesn't include last night. I don't have that that passing data yet. In terms of shot stopping. Um, again, this is not including last night, um, but he's, he's he should be conceding. Expected goals says he should be conceding just over one goal a game based on post shot xG, and he's actually conceding one. He's just he's just above the line in terms of he's saving slightly more than you'd expect, and that will go up quite a bit on the basis of last night. Uh, so that's that's good because because you know Bain and Barkas were both kind of below that line, so that is encouraging. Um, but I think, the, and, and to your point, and where you were going in terms of you used the word leadership, so, so this is where James will get, get that's where we'll get James's backup. What I believe and think he has brought to the team is just a confidence. He just brought a confidence to the to the back division. They, they feel better, I think, in themselves having him behind them. You know, he's he's vociferous. He's well organised. You know, he commands respect in that in that sense. He seems to be. A very good guy to have around in terms of his positivity when, when he's interviewed. His, uh, he, he seems very humble. He seems to really be happy to be here, which is great. And as you say, last night he was he was happy to kind of show some leadership in in in, in being um, proactive about you know making suggestions about how things could be organised. And then you know going straight to Callum McGregor and saying you know but you know I've spoken to the boss. I'm speaking to you. Do you think this is what we should do? That all instills confidence in players, and and that is an intangible. But it is very, you know, as we all know in sport, the, the difference in performance when you're lacking confidence versus when you're feeling confident is is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. There is loads that we want to talk about in the second part of the show. This is the huddle breakdown. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button below. Like the video as well so more people can see them. We're also on Twitch. You might have noticed that the channel got a bit of a rebrand. It's now called Breakdown Inc. We're going to be expanding. There's going to be a couple of new shows coming your way in the next couple of weeks. So really excited to bring you that. And we're also really excited. We want to take this opportunity to say that the Manscaped 
engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available to purchase in the EU and UK. This new trimmer was released just moments ago, and we got our hands on it. We're delighted to share the news with you now. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. 20% off and free shipping with the code HBD for Huddle Breakdown, obviously HBD at manscaped.com. The Lawnmower 4.0 is slick, it's wireless. You can turn a light on so you don't cut your balls when you're shaving. That's very important. And if you're brave enough, if you're brave enough to shave your balls in the shower, it's also waterproof as well. How do I keep a straight face when doing that? Because I'm an absolute pro and Manscaped are starting to fund this page. So it's, it's, it's great to have them on board. It's great to have a sponsor on board as well. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HBD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code HBD. Unlock your confidence. And as always, use the right tool for the right job. You don't want to be shaving your face with the same trimmer that you shave your balls with. That's that's one thing that we can tell you here on the Huddle Breakdown. Let's move on. I got to address this. So, so Go Alan, this is going to be for Alan because you probably don't know this, Enda. Alan, uh, Alan might remember the Johnny Carson show back in uh, the, the Tonight Show uh, way back and Ed McMahon. I felt like an unprofessional Ed McMahon there. Uh, laughing v- very loud in the middle of that. So I apologize for being unprofessional. That was- <laughs> Listen, it, it, it's all good. It's all good. Red Scotland is getting in touch in the comments saying, oh, mate, quit hawking products. Listen, we do this for virtually free. We, do, I say virtually free. We're basically doing it for free. So listen, if, um, if Manscaped.com allows us to do this over the next couple of weeks, that's all we want. We want to keep bringing in this content. It makes it much easier for us to keep the huddle breakdown on the road and keep it progressing and improving and improve the technology that we're using so that's why we're absolutely delighted to have them on board hopefully they'll be on board for the rest of the season let's move on to the forward line against az alkmaar i'm going to go with az the commentary team were calling them az last last night wasn't really okay with that james forrest anyway he was starting on the left hand side again now ryan christie was not ready for this game he had a niggle so that played into the fact that james forrest was playing on the left but I, I guess because of all the uh, the the fact that AZ were targeting the left-hand side, it was probably blown out a little bit more. But I want to get your guys' opinion on James Forrest playing on the left because initially I thought it was working last night. I'm not too sure. So, Alan, do you want to start off with some James Forrest? Yeah, um, I was looking at this and trying to see whether there was any real ch- difference in um, performance based on whether he starts on the on the right or the left, and and in all honesty, I couldn't I couldn't find anything particularly interesting. You know, I mean, he had a really good game uh, against uh, Hearts. Obviously, uh, it was trem- terrific in terms of you know over over one point two sort of expected goals and assists, and and he started on the right. But then suddenly against Dundee, he was obviously as as were uh, most of the team incredibly productive, starting on the left. And he's kind of he's kind of fifty fifty this season, starting on the right, starting on the left. Last season, obviously, very injury hit. He did start some games on the left. So I, I couldn't see a huge, compelling reason to say, to say, oh, we, we must start either either one side or the other. Because I think, for me, Forrest is turning into, you know, quite an intelligent footballer. He doesn't have that blistering pace that he had when he was a kid, when he would just knock the ball and just sprint past people. He, he does try and go past people on occasion, but he's... He's more really looking just to get a half yard and get and get um, across in if that's if that's 
if he's on the right or even on the left, he'll do that, and his left foot is actually, I think, improved. Uh, but often he'll 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 be uh, really trying to get himself into the box and central positions, and it's quite natural for a right-sided player making a diagonal run into the box if the, the, then the ball's then coming onto the right foot. Uh, and Abada is similar on the other side, so I think that works well with how Ange wants to play and how he wants the wingers to invert and get into central positions to get shots away. So I don't have an issue with it. I think he, I think um, I don't. I, I don't. You know, I probably need more data, I suppose, to really yeah, be definitive yeah, about that. There may be a di- there may be a difference. He, he probably looks a little bit more awkward on the left, and I'd probably be, just feel a bit more. My, my I guess my feng shui would would be aligned if he was on the right. Mm. But I, I don't. I don't necessarily have the data to back that up. I'm being honest yeah yeah I, I, so I, 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 I actually did a study on that um i don't remember when i'm getting old now so it all it all bleeds together i can't remember if it was in i was probably in the winter of um 20 uh before the the shutdowns but uh basically looking at left versus right um and at least going back to 15 16 um it was pretty much a, a toss-up man that he, he you know from cross rate accuracy xa xg all those kind because you know the question then was well can he play wing back can he play i even played some left wing back at some points um so in in the three five two so yeah i i think uh, for the most part from what again i'm going off memory i'd have to look it up specifically but i'm 99 sure when i looked at it his, his output was pretty comparable whether it was on the right or the left um, so I'll just throw that okay. in there that actually has done that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was, I almost broke out laughing there because I, <laughs> I think it's the funniest comment we'll, we're ever going to get on this channel. So I just want to read it out. Nicholas McDade said that it's called capitalism. You commie bastard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Well, James is American. James is American, so we have to go along. Oh, the come on! Route. It's, it's, a, it's in their nature. It's in their nature. Right, let's move on to. Let's keep it football. So, um, we we touched on James Forrest. We've touched on Anthony Ralston and his improvements. I'm I'm sort of scared to go down the uh, Starfelt route. So we'll we'll keep it positive with uh, Tom Rogic. I want to talk about Tom Rogic because. He's been playing on the right side um, of the the midfield with Cal McGregor playing as the holding six in this new sort of more brave formation uh, that that Ange has gone for. So, uh, James, your thoughts on on Tom Rogic, his re- revitalization? He was almost off the guitar a couple of years ago. Yep. Like, is is he? You you touched on him as potential starter under Ange, and that has come to fruition. So, uh, interested to get your thoughts on his his general output. Yeah. So he, he's. Um... It, it's all about the asymmetry of Rogic. So can we get enough in attack out of him and creatively uh, to offset what we're going to lose in pressing and, um, you know, kind of transition, so to speak. So I, I, I pull back, I reserve some, uh, a couple of interesting um, metrics for, uh, for the show here that I didn't share in my thread this morning. But um, if you look at, you know, kind of what Alan talks about with pack passes, his metric. Uh, y Scout has something that's a distant cousin, let's say. Um, it's not as good as Alan's. It doesn't have the scoring that he does, but it's a decent proxy. And it's called progressive passes. And um, yesterday, Celtic conceded the highest amount of progressive passes to an opponent at home in Europe that wasn't of the Salzburg, Milan, Lazio level. Right. So Alkmaar is not that 
level. I mean, they're, they're a good team. Uh, the only team below that kind of next tier, you know, where you would say they're kind of a top 25, 30 team in Europe. Um, at least Lazio was when we played them. I mean, they fell off subsequently that, but at that season, at that time, they were performing right at the top of Serie A, um, was Rosenborg. And that was against 10 men. We lost, uh, in Cham to a red card late in the first half. So that gives you an idea about the, the degree to which they were bypassing our defensive lines and kind of taking out our defenders. So all told, that risk benefit yesterday nudged it favorably because he had that brilliant cross and um, Kyogo happened to be able to finish it with a brilliant finish. Um, I'm concerned about as we head back next week, um, you know, again, the introduction of Carlson, maybe for them on the left, some of those transitions that we had down our defensive right, which is basically Roger Rogic side, uh, where you know that led to a couple of the really good chances, including that great heart save early, um, came down that that side. So I'm still nervous about that relative risk and reward. And again, as long as he's doing the creative stuff, it's at least debatable. Um, I think if we have a game where he doesn't offer that, and we're still vulnerable in those ways in transitions and defensively. Um, then it could get pretty nasty quick. I, um, that's my concern anyway. Mm -hmm. Alan, do you want to come in on uh, Tom Rajic? Yeah, fascinating player. You know, obviously playing slightly more as an, an eight, really, than a 10 because of the 4 3 3 system. There's flexibility, players move around a lot. But, you know, he, actually, Rogic has never had the highest expected assist levels in, in the team, which might be a surprise to people because I think he, he does eye-catching things, but he doesn't necessarily do a lot of them, if I can put it that yeah. way. Um, his expected goals this season is actually pretty high. It's nearly 0 0.5, 0 0.46 it is. Um, his expected assist is, is, is just under 0.3, which is the lowest any of the forward players, which may surprise people. And again, his pack passing is, is much lower than, than Turnbull, for example. So actually, you, you add that in. I also add the fact in that he, he actually wins more, wins less challenges than Turnbull. Now, bear in mind, that, and this is a remarkable thing, in the, in, not including last night, as I say, I haven't captured the data yet, but in the three games that Turnbull moved from a more of a 10 role to a, an 8 role, he hasn't won a single challenge. Now, Celtic have been very dominant in those games, and it may be that, mm. you know, um, that he's not had to. Uh, and actually, he, he started the season not 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 particularly creating a lot in a, in a more advanced role, but he, he really embraced the pressing from the front, Turnbull. The point I'm trying to make is that you've now got two players who really don't win many challenges. Turnbull, at least, is is packing the hell out of other teams. I mean, he's he's got... His packing score has been over 103 games running, which is just remarkable. Um, and obviously his dead ball play as well, and, and his goal threat. Rogic, he has these moments, and he looks wonderful on occasion. And, and his ability to, um, you know, to to take the ball under pressure, even in Celtic's defensive third, and then start to build the play is is remarkable sometimes. But he doesn't actually post the numbers that you might think he does in a creative sense. Right. And in that in that sense, I hate to use the term a luxury player because it's, it's a kind of lazy analogy, and it's often thrown at players who are 
you know quite elegant and maybe don't do a lot of power running but you know and got a bit of skill but he but he, he really isn't as productive as I, I suspect a number eight in Postacoglu's team needs to be mm. and if you look at his if you look at his output compared to Ryan Christie for example who, who would be absolutely made for that that eight role and hasn't been played there or where he has once for a half and he was outstanding uh, against Dundee as an eight um you know I, I would say there'd be no comparison so again, sorry to disappoint people, but well, a little bit, you know, a little bit down. But them's 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 the, the numbers. Well, I was actually going to call him a luxury player. No, no, <laughs> no. I apologize. I apologize for that. I know that's lazy. Well, now just add something to what Alan said as far as the high XG. That's largely been on quantity over quality. I think he's almost at four shots a game, which for him, you know, that's high for a midfielder generally, and and certainly for an eight. Um, I think that's. I haven't looked, but I'm guessing that's probably you know, uh, similar to what Christie's been doing only at the wing <laughs> or, you know, uh, Kyogo even, I mean, that, that's a high number. I mean, that's more striker level, uh, average number of shots. So, and I think uh, out of them over half or right around half or from outside the box. Uh, so he has the one goal. Um, so I, I, I agree with Alan in the sense that he looks so brilliant on some of the specific instances, like that cross yesterday. I mean, that was a terrific. It was just a great movement and then a tremendous cross. Um, and I think that leaves people understandably um, mesmerized with the brilliance. Uh, but I think the totality, and, and that's why I mentioned that pack, pa not the pack passing, the progressive passing issue is that um, – particularly as we go over there next week. Um, you know, I, I, the other number I had to put this into perspective. So again, I, I don't know if you did your uh, XG number yet, Alan, but Y Scout had them at 1.46. And that's more than what, um, that's non-penalty. That's more than what PSG had when they beat us 5-0 at home, right? Fun, so they, fun, fun, sorry, funnily enough, I had them at 1.46. So okay. <laughs> yes. And, and that's as, as Ross from boys analytics pinpointed that that was with one huge glaring opportunity that the guy made a, the wit made a really bad decision where a guy was played through dead center. It could have been, you know, one of these 0.6 type of XG opportunities had the guy made a smart pass. Um, so th even at one, let's call it one and a half, that's the kind of um, that's more than what we conceded against Cluj when we lost four, three, um, that was more than like four times more than what we conceded against Fern Faros. So when we talk about, you know, as Alan and I always talk about uh, single game XG is, you know, it's not a, a great thing to rely too much upon, but what it does is it creates kind of a, in my mind, almost like a, a volatility band, meaning that when you're conceding that much in chances, if you have the other team has a good game finishing and, or you just have some bad luck, you can easily give up three, four goals in that kind of mm. um, in that kind of game, and that's if as we're heading in. That, that's why I'm concerned heading into next week, is if we just post that kind of performance defensively again, they could score three or four goals, and with us, you know, I think we'll score against them. But now, even with a two goal lead heading back there, uh, you know, so that's some of these enduring issues in midfield and um, and in, at the back. You mentioned Starfelt, where, you know, um, as they say on another day, very easily could see a game where it's tilted the other direction, unfortunately. Yeah, I, 
I would describe Tom Rogic as the perfect cult player. He's going to be a cult hero in 10, 15 years time that people talk about him. And he was the absolute word beater on his, on his best, but absolutely not does nothing uh, on his worst. So I think luxury is too, too easy a phrase to describe him because I think people love Tom Rogic. I personally, I love Tom Rogic. I think he's one of the best uh, players that Celtic have had in, in the last decade at least, but, he doesn't do it often enough is essentially one of the issues with uh, Tom Rogic in my eyes. There's a question in from War Savvy that we might dedicate a whole show to because, I mean, it's it's so broad. He's asking loads of conversation about the 6, 8, and 10 roles more recently. Could we call, clarify the differences? We'll, we might do a show on that because, I mean, that differs from the system, the the tactics, whatever the 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 manager choose to play in my mind the six is the holding the eight is the engine and the 10 is the creative spark that links the forward and and, and the attack that's a very basic way of describing it but it depends on the system as well so we will do a full show on that before we finish up then uh, we'll move on from the az alkmaar game we're we'll come back to that next week after we we play the second leg there's a triple signing coming in essentially by the looks of it Josep Juranovic is coming in as a right back from Legia Warsaw. That seems to be getting over the line on, on Friday. He's due to fly in from, from uh, Poland. Hopefully that'll be done by next week. Liam Scales is due to sign from Shamrock Rovers. They're playing Tallinn in the uh, Conference League tonight. So that's either going to happen after that game, so in the next couple of days, or that's going to happen next week after they finish out that second leg. And uh, Georgios Geokamakis, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I broke it down. He is, a, he is a striker who's due to be signing um, in the next couple of days as well. So it seems that uh, triple signing, add player to the squad, without going into too much detail because we're running out of time here, guys, essentially what... And just saying after the game, these aren't replacements. These are enforcements to back up the or the play, squad is already here because you need them. We have probably 17 players that can start um, all together in the, in the squad. So, Alan, your thoughts on these players coming in and sort of the uh, what, what they're going to bring to the team? Yeah, I mean, apart from the the Croatian right back, who obviously, you know, <laughs> they played in the Euros, I, I won't pretend I know a huge amount. Over and beyond what goes on in Twitter now, where there is just no end of people who do wonderful research and give you videos and graphs and scouting reports on these players within seconds of them being mentioned, it's quite phenomenal. It's, it's fantastic. So you know, very informative as well. Um, you know, Djuranovic looks like a very attacking fullback. So whereas um, you know Barisic, for example, who obviously plays in the Scottish League as well. Uh, I would say I would, I would classify him as being a very solid citizen, a good all-round player, good defender, solid, strong, decent pace. Juranovic um, looks more of an attacking, uh, creative type of fullback. Um, the skills I don't know a lot about, uh, really. Um, I could be very cruel and say most most players in the uh, League of Ireland oh. either get hoovered up in in their there teenage years, yeah, go. yeah. But you know, players de- listen. Players develop all at different yeah. ages, so I'm, I think you need to look at the the data again and look at the performances. Uh, and um, in fact, there seems to be a bit of a uh, a move towards us buying more seasons. Probably the wrong word, but that. Whereas previously it was in that sort of you know almost 19, 20, 21 bracket, we're now moving into twenty three to twenty six bracket, which I think is quite interesting. 
Um, and then the the Greek striker lad, I do not, I do not know. I did read an article about him, which I'm I'm desperately trying to find, which more or less I'm I'm not I might have got this wrong, but I don't know if he was the one that he was either a winger or maybe even a midfielder or something. And suddenly someone decided that they were going to play him as a striker. He's just been absolutely incredible since. Mm. I don't know if it's the same player. I might be completely making that up, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll have a look. But yeah, I, I don't know a lot about him. I'll be I'll be honest mm. with you. But uh, the, it, what is interesting is that if they're going to buy a striker, obviously you you would think then that there's going to be space made somewhere uh, because uh, I don't think we only play one striker generally. Um, you know, so what's going to happen? Griffiths and the Jetty aren't getting a lot of minutes, are they? So uh, well, let's see what happens there. Yeah, if he's uh, George Samaras 2.0, I'm all for it because, uh, again, <laughs> cult, cult hero, probably not the best player in the world. I, I will say with Liam Scales, I mean, look at Jamie McGrath for St. Mirren. I know St. Mirren's a different level, but he came in and he was there. He's their best player, player of the mm. year last year, scored a, a heap of goals from midfield. Liam Scales is a, a different type of player, I would say, from watching him in the League of Ireland. He is a left centre-back. I know people have uh, been quick to remind me of that, but he has been playing left wing-back for Shamrock Rovers over the last probably about seven or eight months since their starting left-back got injured. And he's, you know, he did really well at left wing-back. He's a, he's a strong, uh, big guy. He's, really, he's, he's tall, strong, uh, athletic, really quick. I'd say I'd put him in athletic before I'd put him in skillful, but, I mean, he's, he's good on the ball as well. He's expe- Shamrock Rovers... League of Ireland is a different standard, but Shamrock Rovers are the dominant team. They play the same way as uh, Celtic are expected to play in the league. As we lose, James, I think his internet may have gone there. <laughs> this was lost um, power. I'd listen, I, and, uh, the, the idea of having a six-foot-four rampaging left-back sounds brilliant to me. That sounds great fun. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be yeah. well up for that. <laughs> I, th- I think it's. Uh, I think he's going to go, go good. I don't think he's going to be an immediate starter, but I think he has the, the potential to go there. James has texted in to say he just had a power outage in his house, so... Hopefully everything's okay over. He's in Pennsylvania, isn't he? Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully everything's okay over there. But I guess that is a good time to end the show. Uh, this has been the Huddle Breakdown. Like I said, we have done a little bit of a revamp on the YouTube channel. It's now Breakdown Inc. You can follow us on Twitter. The Breakdown Inc. is the name of the Twitter account. You can follow us on Twitch as well. We're going to be bringing you a few more, dif- a few different shows. The Monday Agenda, the Huddle Breakdown will be the flagship show. We'll be here every week looking at these games and we have a couple of shows as well that aren't Celtic related coming up on the channel in the next couple of weeks as well so stay tuned for those subscribe to the channel if you haven't already you can get this on podcast as well on iTunes and Spotify as well Alan thank you thank you yeah my thanks to Juco James as well for his time we will be back again hopefully Celtic will get through this is at Alkmaar second leg as they take them on in the Europa League playoffs they are taking on St. Mirren this Saturday, so hopefully there's a win there as well. Probably rest a few bodies as well. So enjoy the game this Saturday, and we'll chat to you next week. Good luck. Mm-hmm.